0: Welcome to the Determined Truth Podcast. What the truth, you can't handle the truth, where we aim to explore questions of truth, the scriptures, and what it means for the church today. Here are your hosts, Rob Dalrymple and Vinny Angelo. Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast. We are continuing through our. We should just call this the Determined Truth Revelation Podcast because that's what this thing is <laughs> going to be. <laughs> uh, but you know, we've been saying, hey, we want you to study the book of Revelation along with us. So it's it's not merely a podcast where we're going to be talking about it. Rob's working on a commentary, which is cool. He's doing that, like you know, he, that that's where you you've been spending so much time the last number of however many months or years working on this thing. But uh, Rob's also producing a. Uh, devotional so he does a, uh, a seven week five day a week devotional guide It's posted on DeterminedTruth.com, and you could read through that as well. so connect with Rob you could you know he has a series on revelation on his YouTube page at Rob Dowrimple at YouTube and uh, yeah there's there's a lot of stuff there and um you know I, I don't know Rob you're a New Testament scholar you're a biblical theologian you you know the biblical story but this is definitely your niche so this is fun to be able to take advantage of uh, a biblical scholar in his realm. Thanks. So uh, how far are you on that study right now?
1: The revelation study, we are in chapter 14 and we've been going a little slow for the last several chapters because this uh, is the YouTube or the one, this on, this on one that's being page. posted on YouTube. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. right. So as we speak, as you and I speak right now, as this goes live, they'll probably, we'll probably be in 15 or 16, but we've actually been reviewing a little bit. So the, the 14 is a lot of, is good reviews. So and encourage you
0: to, to jump into the YouTube videos and yeah. Uh, it's, it's it, it, a Zoom Bible study is what it is. I was going to say it's a Zoom Bible study. So I'm assuming people could get access to that. If not, you live stream yeah. that on your Facebook page as well. So even if you're if if you shy or you don't want to pop into the actual Zoom meeting, if you go to Rob's uh, Facebook page, it's, it's usually before this, but Wednesday nights usually, right? It's right. Wednesday
1: nights at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Okay. USA, Perfect. Thursday morning. for Because we have like five or six people from India joining us. And it's, it's fun.
0: Yeah, so, so and the, the do... advantage
1: of joining the one last thing that we got to get going, but the, one, the advantage of joining the zoom study is that they have notes. I give them study notes and things that I, I go
0: through uh, with them. So that's the advantage of being on that. You know, we want to get into the text, but we're trying. Mm-hmm. So eventually we'll get there. People yeah, are yeah, yeah. wondering when we get to revelation one one, but you know, we, we really want to lay a foundation for understanding the book of revelation and, you know, hopefully even these episodes will help maybe address a question that might eventually pop up even though we're not at that point in the text. And I even know that man, I, I'm teaching a hermeneutics class at my church right now and it's just forecasting we, we do genres by week and we always end up with apocalypse. and it's like just reminding our listener or my, my, not listeners, my students in my classes that apocalypse is the most foreign book of the Bible to us. And genre it, to us, yeah. In, in terms, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I mean, in terms of genre, yes. Yeah, yeah. And And uh, we we have this popular misnomer that I mean, no one knew what it meant in the first century, right. but it's becoming clearer and clearer to us. And I argue the opposite. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it's exactly. really about understanding the Old Testament a lot better. It's understanding the genre of apocalypse, uh, and it's no. We have to do a lot more work in this thing. Yeah, and we're going to talk a lot about that next week in our next podcast, also next week. So. Hey. So, two weeks ago, we discussed that Revelation's a narrative, and that John uses repetition, uh, especially how people hear things, uh, and that helps us connect the passages that we might not normally connect. And so, I'm sure we'll, you know, we'll continue to explain this as we go through the book. So tonight, we're specifically focusing on the concept of numbers and John's use of numbers in the Book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. You talk about this in your book, Follow the Lamb, which is a great primer to just understanding the book of Revelation, it kind of gives an overview of the book, but you've been working through this in your commentary as mm-hmm. you have continued to write. So what are some examples of how the, the use of numbers helps us understand uh, the book of Revelation?
1: Yeah, let's. we're going to look at numbers kind of in, in some detail tonight, but let me begin by noting that John's use of numbers is actually helping to enhance the meaning that's already in the text we don't look at numbers and John's use of numbers and go, oh, therefore it means da-da-da-da and Jesus is returning in 1978 or or 2025 or whatever it might be. When we're looking at numbers, the first thing to, to recognize is the fact that sometimes there are explicit numbers, right? Like there's seven heads or there's seven churches mm-hmm. or the dragon has seven heads or the beast has seven heads or there's seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls. So there's obviously like these explicit numbers. But we're also looking at numbers that, John might've embedded more carefully. Like for example, the title, the Lord God almighty, that title for God occurs seven times.
0: And you have to be specific about counting the number of those things.
1: Yeah. You have to actually be specific, counting the number of times that every word, almost every word actually is used. Mm -hmm. And some of you might go, Oh, that's no, there's no way that's, you know, chance might have it be that certain words occur a certain number of times in a book this big, and so one of the things that we're going to do tonight, actually, is just give you so many examples mm-hmm. that it's almost unquestionable. But that, that's the first thing. So so one of my favorite scholars, a guy named Resigui, says says it this way. It says, as stars guide sailors and help them navigate the seas. So numbers help the people of God navigate the journey to the New Jerusalem. Numbers serve as danger signs or warnings to warn the people of God with divine pretension, like threes, sixes, and sevens. They alert the travelers to the impending difficulty of the, of the journey, 42 months, three and a half days. They reinforce the presence of divine protection, time, times and half a time, or 1,260 days. So John's using these numbers to kind of help guide us through the text. And I think they're actually uh, really helpful. It's actually really incredible because it shows the beauty and the depth of John's writing.
0: Now, you and I, we've talked a lot about how we grew up in similar backgrounds and circles. And from my earliest of ages, I've always heard things like, this is the biblical number for X. Mm-hmm. This is the biblical, seven means yep. this, three means this. And it just seems so arbitrary because it's right. not like there's a decoder key and you know, it'd be great under like behind tables and measures and maps. Like, like yeah, where yeah, do we exactly,
1: find this? Yeah, any of your Bible,
0: yeah. Exactly, uh, yeah. So how do we know what a number means, who gets to define what something means.
1: Well, and this is one of the problems, right? The, when I held to a literalist interpretation of the, of the Bible, whatever it's, no, you can't say that numbers mean this and this and this, because you might say that number means this. And someone else might say that number means that. So what I think we would look at with John is that there's two things to consider. First off, there are certain numbers that have well-established meanings and we're going to look at them in just a second. And John certainly is building off of that. And the second thing is, is the sheer volume of examples that are found in the book of Revelation tells us that John really is actually doing this. He's using numbers intentionally, and the sheer number of times he does this is evidence of that. So some prime examples of this. The the two key numbers are three and four. Three relates to God, as obviously God's a trinity, and God is divine. Now, three can also have other meanings in the Bible, like it's the number of temptations or trials. Remember, Jesus was tempted three times and things like that. But that's not really being used in the book of Revelation. Primarily, it's a number for God, heaven, and God as the divine. Four represents fullness or completion, especially with regards to creation. And you'll see the the created realm has four directions, the four winds, the, the north, south, east, and west. And we'll see plenty of examples of this in the book of Revelation where three and four are being used this way. Three for the divine, four for creation. Then you add three and four, and you get seven. And you know, people might say, well, oh, the two most obvious numbers are seven and maybe seven and twelve or or something like that. Well, seven is three plus four. And certainly seven is a huge number in the Bible. Mm-hmm. I actually thought a, a while back, I thought, you know what would be interesting is to come up, p- compile a list of all the sevens in the Bible and write a book on that. But as I've been thinking about that for a couple of years, there's so many examples the book would take me a lifetime to write. I mean, I'm literally mm-hmm. serious that you look to the Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy, there's so many sevens yeah, embedded just the in there. Yeah. It, it's just crazy and, and it'd be impossible to do. So I have decided not to do that task. Uh, but anyway, so seven often represents completion or perfection or totality, obviously the seven days of creation. It's often used for God, the seven titles of God, for the I am. You remember the seven I am's in the Gospel of John. So yeah, seven signs in the Gospel of John, things like that. So seven is a very common number for perfection or totality, often in reference to God and creation. And then 12 is three times four. And 12 is often perfection or completion or totality, especially when regarding the people of God. So you have 12 tribes in the Old Testament, 12 apostles in the New Testament. Uh, Now, you have some other numbers that are used a little here and there, like the number two is the number for witness. And that's pretty common throughout the New Testament. Jesus sends the disciples out in pairs in Luke 9 and and in Luke 10. Uh, And that derives from the Deuteronomy principle that that you have to have two or three witnesses to validate an eyewitness, a testimony in a capital charge. If someone's being charged with a capital crime, you have to have two or three witnesses. And that two or three becomes predominantly two. You have to have two. And so you have two witnesses in the book in Revelation chapter 11. Now, the problem with two that you got to be careful about is that it's such a small number. There's probably a lot of words in the book of Revelation that occur two times just by Mm -hmm. chance, whereas it's less likely the number is going to occur 12 times because you have to use a word a lot of times to get it just to 12. So two and the the lower the numbers, the more cautious you have to be with it. Ten, of course, you you have the Ten Commandments and things of that nature. Five is an interesting number. I'm. I don't have anything to do with five in the Book of Revelation, whatever. But five is interesting just because there's five books of Moses. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus has five sermons in the Gospel of Matthew. So I was gonna say like,
0: Matthew is divided by five. Yeah.
1: You know, it's half of ten. So I was talking with a British scholar, a friend of mine, who's a scholar in the Book of Revelation also, and he was like well, I wonder if it's because there's five digits on, on each hand. I'm like, well, that makes sense, but I don't think I would go there. I mean, the Bible just doesn't actually ever say what it is, even though five is used often. It, just, it never says what it actually means. So I certainly, I just leave that out there, but I think those are the ones that
0: I would consider primarily. So. So when you're, when you just went through that, you know, two, three, yeah. four, seven, ten, twelve, 10, 12, are you speaking of, this is how we could understand numbers in revelation or just from a biblical standpoint across the board?
1: I, I would say from, from both, so from a, from a biblical point across the board, although in a biblical context, they might have other meanings also. So it okay. might transcend those like the number three it might also be the number for testing or trials. Jesus was in the tomb for three days. Uh, Jonah was in the whale for three days. Mm-hmm. Jesus was tempted three times. So it might mean that I don't see that happening in the book of, Re- I don't see three being used that way in the book of revelation. It seems to be reserved for
0: the Trinity and the triune nature of God and things of that nature there. Another question regarding this, like it, in terms of like safeguarding or, you know, mm-hmm. the boundaries for how to do this, is this something that we should assume anytime a number pops up in the Bible, we should assume that the author is trying to use it in a specific way or is genre maybe going to, uh, you know, influence that in a certain way, or I don't know, what do you do with that?
1: I think certain numbers are very intentional, even in the gospel of Mark, even in other in writings that you wouldn't have thought of before. I think actually, yeah, there, this was a very, very common thing that the biblical authors use and it transcends uh, genre.
0: Even because I'm, I'm trying to think yeah. about this, like in, in like epistles, I'm trying yep. to think, okay, would there be examples of yep. this happening in, okay. Yeah, I yeah there, there, are, there are
1: examples of that, like Paul will list five sins here and five positive virtues there. Okay, and sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, yeah, and there, it's oftentimes that you just, you just count how many words are in this, in this thing here. How many fruits of the spirit are there? Just, just mm-hmm. count them. How many Beatitudes? Now the Beatitudes actually are, are interesting because there's eight Beatitudes. You're like,
0: yeah. All right. Yep. Why was there 10?
1: <laughs> or, or why wasn't there seven?
0: Or seven, yeah, right, yeah, uh-huh. yeah,
1: seven or ten, make yeah, ten makes sense because it's the new law. Yeah, uh, so I think it's like okay, it just he just didn't use it intentionally, okay, but that doesn't mean he's not using it intentionally elsewhere. So and okay. and even in uh, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew five, there are five examples of you heard that it was said, but I say to you, that's five times. Mm-hmm. again i'm not sure what five really means other than it's half of the ten commandments and it's used that way but uh, so it's interesting so i think actually the biblical authors use this very com very often and, and again remember the key thing if you're kind of like i'm skittish i don't know if i trust rob or vinnie on this is we're talking about the authors using this to enhance the meaning that's already present so the seven days of creation meant god's creation was perfect and complete it's fulfilled it's done okay great we can kind of get that already when he says it. it is done it is finished uh, or he rested on the seventh day and it was completed his creation but now this the seven days actually just uh, complete that
0: yeah, and i think in contrast to that i think we talked about this uh, when we did one of these intro episodes like a, a year and a half or two years ago what you mean is what you don't mean is we're, we're not doing this in a herald camping kind of way and he's not right, like the yeah. only one who did that. but no, where exactly, the number no, not, is no. Yeah, the the number in that kind of way is used in this uh, national national treasure Nicholas Cage kind of way where you have to. It's a secret decoder exactly. thing. Right. That's it, it, so that's different than enhancing where the author like a John is going to be using a number a number seven or a three to enhance, not to say okay, there's a secret meeting and if, if you're exactly. the smart one to figure it out, that's so that that's right. how yeah, it's different.
1: Yeah. And it's a meaning that's already there or a meaning that's apparent, uh, and then the number helps make it clear.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which obviously this is going to unlock other questions later that we won't okay. get to now about literalism and you know, yeah, which we'll we do in our next episode. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so other than, you know, the, the numbers that you mentioned, do, do we just cap this out at 12 is, is was 12, the highest number that had some sort of significance?
1: Well, no, cause you have like a thousand that's being used there. I'm going to figure out what that might mean, but you have numbers like there's 24 elders. Uh, you have 144,000 and that's mm-hmm. 12 times 12 and 24 of course is 12 plus 12.
0: Okay, so uh, can we look at some examples of mm-hmm. of how these numbers might play out? Because you're just you're selling us a whole bill of goods right now, and I don't believe you. you haven't proved anything to me, okay. Bob. V- very good. I'm going to shut and, off this podcast, and
1: that's why we're going to go for a while here with this. And I encourage you to take your time. If you have, uh, you know, if you're just listening to this, that's great. But you might want to just listen to this when you get an opportunity later on, either to re-listen this with with your Bible open and just write this stuff down. So three often is the number for the divine. So for example, the divine title, the Alpha and Omega occurs three times. Now, what's interesting is the parallel title, the first and the last, also occurs three times. Now, those titles only appear together in 22 verse 13. So in 22, 13, you have both the Alpha and the Omega and the first and the last. In fact, in twenty-two thirteen, you have the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, and the first and the last. All three titles are present in that one passage. So three times for Alpha and Omega, three times for first and the last. And then in 22, 13, Alpha and omega, beginning and the end, first and last, all, all occur. Uh, other examples are like God is the one who lives forever and ever, that divine title occurs three times. And of course, three times reinforces, the, the, again, the guy, idea that God is eternal. The, God is the one who, who is, who was, and who is to come, threefold. You'll also see, for example, in chapter one, where uh, you have the Father, the Spirit, and the Son that are introduced.
0: All right, so that's some examples of use of three. What about yeah. number four? All right, yeah, four is actually
1: the one that's most uh, very interesting here. So four is the number for completion with regards to creation, the four directions, the four winds, and things of that nature. There. So John uses the word four twenty-eight times. Seven times four, right? So twenty-eight occurrences. Since four represents the created realm and seven's perfection or completion, then the twenty-eight times that the number that the word four occurs suggests that John's using the numbers to represent the entirety of the created realm. The bride, the the word bride, occurs four times. And of course, the bride is the totality of God's people. There's four references to the holy city. What's actually really interesting is this. John refers to the people of the earth, and we'll get into this more detail later on, because he distinguishes between God's people and the people of the earth Mm -hmm. at, at different times. But he uses the title, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, and there's mm. four of them, right? Tribe, ah, yeah. tongue, people, and nation, fourfold. He's that fourfold title seven times. Mm. Okay, so seven times that fourfold title occurs. However, here's what's interesting. It never occurs in the same order. The words are always different every single time. It's like he's he, hes clearly wanting you to count the number of occurrences, but he's also varying the words up oftentimes. Another Another strategy of John actually is to vary the words. He'll never... He rarely will repeat something verbatim. He almost Hmm. always makes a subtle change here or there. Let's continue on. The word uh, love occurs four times in the book of Revelation. The word shepherd occurs four times. Of course, Christ is the shepherd, and it suggests that Christ's um, rule extends over the entirety of his creation. There are four references to the seven spirits, or depending on your translation, the sevenfold spirit. And of course, in chapter five, verse six, it says that the seven spirits have been sent out into all the earth. So if they've been sent out into all the earth and there's four references to the seven spirits, then see again, it enhances this meaning of, oh, God's spirit is sent out into all of the earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second death, which we'll discuss what that might mean later on, occurs four times, suggests, of course, that it's like definitive with regards to the judgment of creation, that it's total and it's final um, there. So those are some examples. There's a whole
0: lot more. Do you want to, number seven is like, uh, that's the one that uh, everyone knows is yeah. a, a main biblical number that's yep. you know, the number of completion. That's probably the easiest one to connect to the creation account. What happens there? So seven, of course, re-
1: refers primarily to completion, totality, perfection. Of course, it often refers to God. There's going to be some, some things that happen with it as, la- uh, as well later, but obviously there are seven churches. There are seven golden lampstands, which are the seven churches. What's interesting is that the set, the word or the word seven churches occurs four times would suggest that these seven churches represent all the churches, which is something not, that I will argue not just later.
0: seven specific yeah, churches. They
1: are seven specific churches, yes. but they represent the reason why there's seven of them is because they're all the churches. All right, there's also seven stars. And the seven ta- stars we're told, of course, are the angels of the, se- of the seven churches. So obviously seven is used with regard to Christ oftentimes. So there's Jesus has seven horns and he has seven eyes. The word Christ occurs seven times. Mm. Here's something very interesting. The name Jesus, the word Jesus occurs 14 times. Mm. Now that's seven times two. And obviously 14 isn't usually a big number, an important number. But the very first description of Jesus in the book of Revelation is he's the faithful witness. Mm -hmm. So the number for a trustworthy witness is two. And Jesus, his name occurs 14 times. So seven times two. I think that makes a lot of sense there. Jesus is indeed the faithful witness. The designation witness occurs next to the name Jesus seven times. Mm. Here's something very interesting. Jesus is called the Lamb of God, or he's the, the Lamb that was slain. The Lamb of God is obviously in 1 John. Yeah. But he's called the Lamb. The word Lamb occurs 28 times, mm. which is seven times four. He's the Lamb of God who has purchased for God people from The whole world, every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, it says in chapter five, verse nine. So he's purchased people from all of the world. And of course the word lamb occurs 28 times. So I think the 28 times that the word lamb occurs is actually very intentional. And again, when you get a number that high, it's like, it's not arbitrary that it's 28 times because he could have just kept adding lamb and it could have come up to 27 or 26 or 24 Mm -hmm. and things of that nature that wouldn't have had a lot of meaning or significance there. The divine title of the Lord God Almighty occurs seven times. Now, what's interesting, actually, is there's two occasions later on in the book where he's called God God the Almighty, not the Lord God Almighty. And I think one author, Richard Balcom, is a phenomenal scholar, says that his mind, John, used God the Almighty twice because he had the Lord God of the Almighty seven times. And so he didn't want to like mess with that number. John also uses the word servant 14 times, indicating that God's people or the people of God uh, are called to serve faithfully, right? Seven times two. Uh, There are seven blessings in the book of Revelation. So what we call the seven Beatitudes. There are seven times where Jesus says, I am coming. There are, of course, 24 elders and four living creatures. And we'll discuss those numbers later. But guess what? They're paired together seven times. So you have this 24 elders and the four living creatures together seven times. The word mark, you remember the mark of the beast mm-hmm. seven times, and it's always used in reference to the beast. And it probably indicates Satan's attempts or the beast attempt to claim universal authority. In fact, the people of God are, are exhorted to overcome seven times in the seven messages of chapters two and three. Hmm. So again, that's, they're supposed to overcome and seven times, there are seven times that the word patient endurance, it's one word in Greek. Uh, patient endurance occurs seven times. Now, this is an, ex- an example, by the way, where you have to do this in the Greek. You can't do this in the English because it might be translated one way in one passage, and another way in another passage. And if you're just looking at English, you wouldn't you count seven. You wouldn't count seven times because it might not occur seven times in your translation. The verb to show occurs seven times. Of course, at the beginning, Revelation chapter one verse one, God gave to Jesus, to, uh, gave it to John to show what must mm-hmm. take place. Uh, what must occur after these things. John used the, the word sign seven times. The word scroll occurs 28 times. And of course, I think that the word that the scroll, especially the one that Jesus has that he takes from the Father's hand, chapter five, it's the center of the book. This is the focal point of the story, at least from chapters five through eleven. The scroll is the divine, is God's will. If seven then is a the number for completion or perfection. And four represents totality with regard to the creation. Then the 28 occurrences of the scroll reinforces the conviction that it represents God's divine will with regard to the creation. So then there are other examples too. There are seven occurrences of the word war. Um, the phrase, the word of God, occurs seven times. And actually, it's really interesting how it occurs uh, because it, it occurs kind of in a long form in chapter one, verse two. And then every occurrence thereafter, it kind of, it, starts to shorten and it's like really interesting until you get to the last occurrence in chapter 20 verse four, but we'll skip over all that for now. So, but there's just some examples. There's a lot more uh, to come by and some more that we might discuss at the end of the day, but uh, seven is just, uh, just all over the
0: manuscript. Something to note as well. And I hadn't caught this before you had referenced Richard Balcom. Who's a just preeminent new Testament mm-hmm. scholar, uh, you know, new Testament in general, but specifically yeah. his work in revelation is so good. Yeah. Um, it's interesting though you cite him and you'd mentioned that, you know, he talked about forget how you phrase it uh, in, in terms of his point. The, the Lord the, the God word Almighty order.
1: occurs seven times, then God the Almighty occurs twice yes. because it want to change the number of times that the Lord God Almighty occurred.
0: That's right. So this is something that it's not just you are, it's not that Rob yeah, is coming yeah. up with this hypothesis, other notable, right, and, right. And Richard Baucom not just one of the scholars. This guy's on the Mount Rushmore of New Testament yeah, scholars for the t- late 20th century. And 20th yeah, yeah, no doubt about it.
1: Right. And this is this is stuff that this is stuff that I think we talked about this a few episodes back when you kind of I said, Hey, I've got this 25-page document that I did. This is stuff that's just out there. Everybody knows this, but no one has actually taken it to the extent that I've taken it, I think, as far as I can find out, where they've actually just gone through like almost every single word saying, Okay, how many times does this word occur? How many times does this word occur? So I found examples that no one has actually ever noticed before because no one's taken the time to look up most every word. I, I haven't done every word, but I've done most every word uh, most of the nouns and adjectives
0: and some of the verbs, but I didn't worry about all the verbs because verbs are are different. Hey everyone. We want to thank you for joining us on today's podcast. And we want to remind you that everything we provide at Determined Truth is free of charge. And this even includes all of the teaching that Rob does on a weekly basis to pastors in India and around the world. We don't have any supporters that get special behind the scenes access, but we can only do this with the generous support that comes from those of you who can afford to give. So if you would prayerfully consider supporting us with anything from $5 a month or more, we will continue to work hard to challenge the church to be the church. To give, go to DeterminedTruth.com and click on the Give tab or follow the link in the show notes. Twelve, which is obviously another significant number. We know, like you mentioned, there's 12 disciples, uh, 12 tribes. You know, this is a biblical number. What do we see with 12 there in Revelation?
1: Well, let's start with the fact that John's commanded to write 12 times. The word right occurs The phrase times. to write." Okay, yeah. So based on what we've discussed now, let me ask you the question. Why do you think that John's commanded to write 12 times?
0: Why would the word right be used 12 times in regard to the book of Revelation? Well, if your hypothesis is correct, that numbers are enhancing something. Right. It, so it's like, obviously, 12 is representing the people of God in some yes. kind of way. So this is a message that's going to the people of God.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the point. The point of fact that we've discussed when we did the genre episodes was John's writing to his people. Mm -hmm. He's not writing to tell the world about what's going to happen at the end time Mm -hmm. so that you, you now know, and you better repent. So this doesn't happen. It's like, no, he's writing to the church, the seven churches and the word right occurs uh, 12 times. Mm -hmm. So we'll do this in more detail when we get there, but the new Jerusalem in revelation 21, nine through 22, nine is what we call the new creation. It's heaven and earth comes down together. Uh, Heaven comes down to the earth and it meets the earth and it's the garden of Eden fulfilled and glorified and perfected. The number 12 occurs 12 times in the description of the New Jerusalem. Mm. Now, remember, the New Jerusalem, it starts off by saying, let me show you the bride, the wife of the lamb. So John's expecting to see a people, and the people is the people of God, which we would expect to see 12 with regard to the people of God. And then he says, I looked and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. He then describes the New Jerusalem, and there's 12 occurrences of, of the number 12 in the description of that. And we'll go over some of those examples maybe as we as we proceed. But the word um, breath or spirit, and this is an example of where your translations might not catch it because it might go one way with breath, and then later on it might say spirit later on. But it's one word in Greek, pneuma. It occurs 24 times in the book of Revelation. Now, the 24 occurrences of Panumas probably suggests, of course, that the spirit is the one who's empowering the people of God. Either you can go two ways with this because it's 24, it's 12 plus 12 or 12 times 2. He's either empowering the people of God in the Old and New Testaments combined. He's the spirit who's empowered God's people throughout history. Or you can say he's the one who's empowering the people of God for faithful witness, 12 times Mm -hmm. 2. So again, that's an example where it's enhancing the meaning, but we can argue about which meaning it's it's being enhanced. And it might even be just both. The word worship occurs 24 times, which is 12 and 12. This probably indicates, again, God's witness is a true witness, then truly worthy of worship. There are 24 elders in chapter 4. Of course, they occur a few other times in the book, Uh, seven times with the four living creatures. So 24 elders probably represents the Old and New Testament people of God combined, and they're Mm -hmm. probably angelic beings who represent the Old and New Testament people combined. So, of course, you could also say that the faithful witness of God's people 12 times too there also. Um, There are four instances in which the 24 elders worship before the throne. And of course, four is totality with regards to creation and whatever. So it's the totality of God's people worshiping before the throne. There are 12 uh, references to the elders, not 24 elders, but just the word elders itself. That word occurs 12 times, which again supports the idea that the 24 elders are representing the people of God. One of the questions we have is, who are these 24 elders? Well, the word elder occurs 12 times. So it's clearly that they're representatives of God's people in some way. And of course, 12 uh, suggests that also. Now, John uses the word repent 12 times. Again, he's writing to the people of God, commanding them, you guys got to repent. And of course, the book of Revelation is a call to repentance, but a call to the people of God to repent. I think you and I've discussed before, you know, the fame, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Is yeah. Jesus standing at the door of the church of Laodicea yes. saying, yeah. I'm knocking, right? I want you guys, you and the church need to repent. So it's,
0: it's, it's not a Billy Graham crusade.
1: It's not. It, yeah. I mean, yeah. you can use it that way. That's fine. But that's not technically what the verse is actually getting at there. Yeah. So. In fact, by the way, the, the word repent is actually never used for the nations. It's only used in the context of the, pe- of the people of God
0: repent. We hope you're enjoying the podcast, and we want to remind you that everything we do at Determined Truth, the podcast, Rob's blog, and our YouTube channel, is available on the Determined Truth app. Directions on how to download the app is available in the show notes and on the DeterminedTruth.com website. Just click on the app tab. So you mentioned briefly about the number two and the significance of that, especially in relation to Deuteronomy. So yeah. what do we do with two? Yeah. So again, two, you got to be careful with now. And we're always careful with all the
1: numbers. Again, if the number is enhancing the meaning that's already there in the text, uh, let's run with it. That's good. But two, because it's such a small number, it's so obviously easy for a word to occur just two times in a manuscript this large, right? Even, even maybe seven, you know, up to five, six, seven, eight, nine, once you start getting 10, 12 and whatever less and less likely, but so two is the number of witness. And obviously there's two witnesses in chapter 11. It's the faithful witness based on the principle in the book of Deuteronomy. So when things, and I think, I do think as we saw already that two is used as a multiple. So seven times two is 14, 12 times two is 24. And so you have 24 elders and you have 14 for the the word Jesus, things of that nature. So I think that's why the
0: number two is being used. Okay. So you're making a case here and like you're, you're not even, making your full case like no if, not if, at all <laughs> yeah. if, this isn't the court right now where you're a prosecutor where you're presenting all the evidence you, yeah. you're leaving a, a lot, a lot lots. more examples that i've left off yeah but the point is john wants his hearers and readers to to be deliberate to count this you know case in point the with the number four tribes tongues people and nations there's always going to be that that four there that's going to be existing right.
1: yeah that list is always four it's never the same order, and sometimes even adds a word and takes a word out or whatever, but it's, it's always four. There's no question that John expected his readers or his the, the reader right, to actually go back and read it again and again and again. Because once you start seeing this, you're like, oh, maybe I missed something. Mm-hmm. And he wants us to read it over and over and over and over again. And of course, that's what the Bible is supposed to be done. You're supposed to meditate on the on the word of God day and night, right? Psalm chapter 1. How blessed is the man who meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted firmly by streams of water whose leaf does not wither. So for example, when you go to chapter one, and if you have your Bibles, if you're listening, you'll open up to revelation chapter one, where John begins by saying grace and peace to you from him, who is, who was and who is to come. Okay. That's the father. But notice, Mm -hmm. of course, the father's described with a threefold title. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Then the secondly, from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and then, third, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. So, notice that within that passage, now you have three persons: the Father, the Spirit,
0: and Christ. And we we know later in chapter one that the seven spirits are. I'm, I'm blanking now, right now.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're good. you're right. It, it comes up in chapter five, the
0: sevenfold spirit. Yeah, it, I'm totally blank on my thought. Okay, okay, yeah. So let me ask you a different way. Okay. You just mentioned, and you're you're hinting at a trinitarian thing, but it says yeah. that the seven spirits. Does yeah, that, mean good, yeah, good. that this, the the third person of the Trinity is seven? Has seven yeah, persons yeah. in a? Is so, this a Benny Hinn theology? Yeah.
1: So we know that it's a reference to the Spirit because it's sandwiched between the Father and the Son. Right? I mean, it's mm. clearly the Holy Spirit, right? The Father, Son, and uh, Father Spirit, Son. Just the fact that they're together is a strong indication. Now, this can actually be translated as a sevenfold Spirit. Mm. Which goes back to Isaiah chapter 11, the spirit of truth, the spirit of this, the spirit of this, the spirit of this. And Isaiah chapter 11 has the the word spirit occurs, depending on how you count, seven times. And so it could be the the spirit who is the sevenfold spirit. But the fact that it's in this list of father, spirit, son is your indication that this is indeed the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then notice that Jesus Christ is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the rule of the kings of the earth. So again, threefold regarding the son also. So now let me give you some more examples. In chapter 5, this is where you're actually supposed to count, and it doesn't always work, because sometimes the list has like six things, or sometimes it has eight, and it's, it's easier to count in the Greek than it is in the English, because your translations may or may not be clear, but the Greek text is actually really, really clear on this. So chapter 5, verse 12, worthy is the lamb, it says, that was slain to receive, and here's our list, power, number one, riches, two, wisdom, three, might, four, honor, five, glory, six, blessing, seven. Seventh items in the list power, riches, wisdom, might, honor, glory, blessing. Now, then you go to chapter 7, verse 12, and it says, Amen, blessing and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might. Sevenfold again, be to our God forever and ever. So, chapter 5 was addressed to the Lamb, chapter 7 is addressed to God. Both lists has seven items in it. And if you look at the list carefully, you'll notice, first off, they're not in the same order. Blessing was last in 5 verse 12, but it's first in 7 verse 12. And there's actually one item that's not the same in each list. Riches and thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, riches to the the lamb, but thanksgiving to the father. So he's intentionally repeating lists, changing the word orders, and then adding a word here and there. So now chapter 6 verse 15. So this is a list of those who are fall under judgment. It says, the kings of the earth, that's one, the great men, two, commanders, three, the rich and the strong, that's four and five, and every slave and free men, six and seven, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. That's everybody, everybody, right? Kings, great men, commanders, rich and strong, slave and free, the list has seven items. In it. Very common, John's doing this, obviously quite intentionally. So another example in chapter five, verse three, it says no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or look into it you're like wait a minute if you're talking about the totality of creation this list should have four items in it because that he does Mm. it all the time creation has four items in it but this list has three items heaven earth and under the earth and what's missing is the sea Mm. but john's talking in chapter five by saying okay i looked the father's got a scroll on his right hand and he says but no one was worthy to open the scroll And John says, and no one in heaven on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or look into it. Well, the reason why the seas left off is because the sea is where the dragon lives. The sea is where evil is. The sea is where the serpent is. The sea is where demonic spirits that have been imprisoned are are in the sea. So obviously nobody in the sea is worthy to open the book. That doesn't have to be mentioned. So there's an example where we were expecting four. We only got three, but that's probably why there's only three because the C's left off this list because it just doesn't belong on this list. So, hmm.
0: okay. Yeah. there's a few other numbers that are just mm-hmm. like, these are big numbers, especially I right. think in an ancient world, like it, it makes sense to count to a 10 or a 12. You could use digits for that. What do you do with a 200 million or 72 yards, which is interesting because they didn't play American football. So why do they even have Mm -hmm. yards Uh, or 1500 miles, which is again, what
1: what do we do with those numbers? All right. So the first thing that you do is you say, dismiss the numbers if they are modern equivalents, like they didn't measure in yards, Uh they didn't measure in miles. So you have to go and say, what's the number in the Greek? The 200 million we're going to save for later. So the first answer is it's not 200 million. There's no possible way to translate the number. As an actual literal number, because I was gonna it, say
0: you, you could literally say it's not 200 million.
1: Yeah, it, I can literally say it's not literally 200 million. <laughs> yeah. The number in Greek is two 10,000s plural times 10,000s plural. So 10,000s plural, you don't know how many 10,000s there mm. are. And since the number 10,000 or the word 10,000, which is myriad in Greek, is almost always in the plural, it means an, an incalculable number. And so it's myriads and myriads, which is incalculable. And there's two of those. So it's like, it's an incalculable number. It's not meant to be taken literally. So I guess we don't have to discuss it later because we just discuss it now. So that takes care of the 200 million. It's not a literal number. In fact, what's interesting is the same phrase occurs in chapter five, where it says that there were these angels worshiping in thousands upon thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands. Mm-hmm. That's how the New American Standard translates it. But when it gets to the number of demonic beings, in chapter nine, it's 200 million. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. It was 10,000s, plural times 10,000s in chapter five. And that tells you how much popular understanding has influenced even the translators. Like, well, we got to translate this because they're expecting this to be 200 million. We're going yep. kind to of have to go with it. It's not 200 million. All right, 72 yards. So a yard is three feet. Well, a cubit is how they measured in the ancient world. And a cubit is one and a half feet. It's basically the, from the tip of your finger to, to your elbow, and on a typical human being, that's 18 inches. So in the Greek, it's 144 cubits. And there you go, 144 is 12 times 12. Mm-hmm. 1500 miles, which in some translations actually say 1400 miles. So it tells you how, how much of an estimate that number is. It's the size of the uh, uh, New Jerusalem, 1500 miles. Well, actually, the Greek, it's 12,000 stadia. And remember, mm-hmm. I said the number 12 occurs 12 times and the description of the New Jerusalem. So it's really important actually that you find out what the Greek, what the number in the Greek text is behind these numbers. If you just see it in English coming across uh, as, as whatever it might be, obviously 1260 days, uh, that's three and a half years and three and a half uh, has a meaning that we'll discuss on, on a later time.
0: There's a few instances where we have something that's evil yeah. uh, that has the same number that we would for God. So like, you know, something like the like Daryl LaMonica dr- was number seven wasn't he on the Raiders no I think he was number three wasn't he yeah who the was bad bomber B- B-
1: B- 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 who's the guy that was number seven on the Raiders
0: back um LaMonica was
1: three yeah yeah Darryl, he was no, I, Card-
0: I don't remember there was a the quarterback that was seven on the Raiders I'm trying to think back in Raider lore and like good number
1: what was like, Stabler he was 12. 12 12 he was 12 yeah right. Like 12 see there you yeah, go yeah yeah 12, 12 and three people have yeah and that's actually, that's actually very pertinent to what we're going to discuss now.
0: <laughs> what a well setup.
1: Played. I'm going to leave that uh, in. I'm going to leave that in. Uh, it's up for you. Like unlike a Tom yeah? Brady, because you're talking about number evil 12. numbers yeah. and yeah, exactly. So uh, let me go ahead and finish your sentence for you. Since, since we already segued to it. That's uh, so good. The, the example actually is that the dragon. We, I think I alluded to this earlier. The dragon has seven heads. The beast has seven heads. Uh, he's got 10 horns. Uh, so sometimes there are the number seven. Or things or numbers of biblical significance are used in reference to something that's evil, and what that shows you actually is that evil's efforts to imitate the divine. When we get to the to the beast and to the dragon and to the second beast who's called the false prophet, note that they're described in such a way that we might read it and go, "Oh, this is so obviously evil." I mean, it's a dragon that has seven heads. I don't care how many heads it has; it's a dragon. We know it's evil. But the point actually is it tries to appear to be divine mm-hmm. because it has seven heads. Mm-hmm. Um, the beast of course, of course is actually described in very much in Christ-like terms. It says one of its heads was as if it had been slain mm-hmm. and you're like, well, as if it had been slain, isn't imitating Jesus. Cause Jesus actually was slain. Actually Jesus is described in chapter five as I saw a lamb as if it yep. had been slain. Mm-hmm. And of course he says that the lamb was as if it had been slain because well, it's standing. It, it looks like it's alive, but, It looks like it had been slain. And the answer is, it actually had been slain. So the language describing the beast in one of its heads as if it had been slain is actually imitating Jesus again. The second beast has two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. Like, Mm -hmm. ah, so he's obviously a dragon, but he looks like a lamb. And so I think that's kind of the idea that what's happening is that evil is trying to imitate the divine in order to, while Satan masquerades as an angel of light, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians, Satan's trying to imitate God wanting want you to think that he's good. So that's, I think, what's going, what's going on there. So John's readers are going to be clued into this to go, hey, guys, it may look good, but it's not good. And it's true. Remember, again, as we discussed, the nature of an apocalypse is to say, this is the way it really is. Satan's actually a dragon, guys. The beast is actually a beast. Mm-hmm. and it's bad news. Remember beasts are not supposed to rule over humans. Humans are supposed to rule over the beasts. And so this mm-hmm. is a problem. So, yep.
0: Yeah. So, like we said before a few times, so I guess we could have an inclusio here. Your book Follow the Lamb, it has a whole chapter about this. And so if mm-hmm. it, you know if you're a visual person for me, I'm I'm kind of like a combo person, so I need to hear a lecture like this but then see it as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. And so this might be a very helpful resource for you to get
1: yeah yeah and at the end of that chapter it has some questions which are going to help you go into mm-hmm. the text itself and look at look things up there or you can just like play this episode really slowly and keep hitting pause and, and and looking things up there but again it's going to be hard in your english bibles just because they don't always translate like the word overcome
0: is just not always translated as overcome yeah. uh, throughout the text it that's actually a good thing to talk about for a mm-hmm. second we we've never done a a study on word studies, which is a very popular thing to do in the seventies and eighties. And they're more often than not, we just don't know. We're, we're not going to do them the right way. <laughs> that's that's uh, the problem. Yeah. And, and so like, it just when in doubt, avoid a word study, look it up in a commentary. They're going to do a great job of, of parsing that out for you, literally. But for something, this, this might be one of those instances where Being able to have a reference, whether it's an interlinear, there's so much great online software where you could go and you could look something up because you're you're checking resources at this point. And so anyway, Mm -hmm. this this would probably be an appropriate time to delve into the realm of word studies.
1: Yeah. So just to piggyback on what you just said there, I would agree that word studies are actually dangerous because typically what we do with word studies is we find a word and go, oh, in the Greek, it means that. And obviously Mm -hmm. each word has like seven or eight different meanings, right? Because words have multiple meanings based on context. And some of them are like diametrically opposed to one another. Yep. And then you go say, oh, the, here's seven possible meanings. Then you say, I like this one. Then you yep. pick that out and you impose it the on the sexiest, text. It's the sexiest. It's
0: the most spiritual. Yeah. Or, and it or it's well. the one that yep.
1: supports what I'm trying to argue exactly. right now. Exactly. Yep. yep. And yep. the answer is the context is going to tell you what meaning is actually, th- that word actually has there, the nuance of that meaning. So the value actually is that comparing like English translations. If there's a mm-hmm. word that has a meaning that's hard to grasp in English, you might find that the King James says one and the New American Standard says another and the ESV says another and the New Living Translation says another and the NIV, NIV says another. And now you realize, okay, each of these translations has a different nuance there. This word might have a meaning that can't be conveyed by any one English word, mm-hmm. like the word paraclete, paracletos. Yep. Some translations even say paracletos. It means the yes. counselor, the advisor, what, the, helper, the helper. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the point of that is compare the translations there and you do your work. What I would say that you can take away from this episode will be a couple things. Number one, the beauty of the text. Mm-hmm. John is writing this beautiful text that he's really carefully written. So common thought that people had was John sitting on Patmos. He has a vision. He's writing everything down. And by the time the vision's over, the book's complete. That's not what happened. He clearly took notes compiled his notes and wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote, maybe even rewrote a few times and then compiled it together. And because he's counting, how many times has this word been used? How many times has this word been used? So the beauty of the text and the art- artistry of this text, it's artistic. The next thing that you can take away is that when you read the text, count the number of things that are in lists and just count because it's just going to help you understand, Oh, look at what he's doing here. Look what he's doing here. And help you see there. And then again, it's going to reinforce the meaning. So when we say that the 24 elders are probably are angelic representatives of God's people, it there's no way of knowing that except the fact that there's 24 and it's 12 mm. times 12. And then the word are 12 times two. And then the word elder occurs 12 times. Oh, yeah. The elders are the representative of God's people. So that's what's happening there. And that's how it's helpful to us there to show us what the meaning of the text is. And to confirm what the meaning of the text is. And then to be reminded that Satan is often deceiving us and trying to look good when he actually isn't actually good. Where are we heading next? We're going to spend one or two more weeks kind of looking at some introductory questions because the topic of literalness has come up a few times between you and me. And we know that a lot of the people, at least that grew up in traditions like we did, Mm -hmm. that was just how you interpret the Bible and how everything's to be interpreted. And now we're saying, wait a minute, Jesus is a lamb, but he's not literally a lamb. And Satan's a dragon, but he's not literally a dragon. You know, I'm not comfortable with this. What do we do with the language? If it's not literal, then what is it? And we're going to say, well, what does literal even mean looking at that? And then how do we understand the imagery in the book of Revelation? So we'll spend a week discussing the imagery in the book of Revelation and what that might might mean and kind of the, the popular way of translating the book of Revelation and kind of discuss what I think are some problems with this popular approach to the book of revelation
0: yeah we could take the bible seriously without taking it literally yes yes
1: it's literally true Yes, it just might mean that jesus is not a building when he says he's the temple of god or a loaf of bread when he says he's the bread of god but he is the the source (laughs) of sustenance for Mm -hmm. you that you get your nourishment off of jesus because he's the Mm -hmm. bread of life absolutely Mm -hmm. and you are a temple of god and you're holy therefore
0: we need to live like it
1: yeah no problem at all guys (laughs) we're good so
0: Yeah. yeah very good amen all right, but I will see you next week and everyone right. else. Catch you guys later. I want to thank you for joining us on today's podcast. And we would love for you to share the work of determined truth with others. Please follow this podcast and give a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your review will go a long way towards helping others find this podcast. Then share it with others so that we can get the word of the gospel of the kingdom to more people.